This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to Mind Love Premium, episode 87. Today's episode is all about receiving the present moment. An emotion is really just energy in motion. It's just your body expressing feelings and, and, and needing to release energy. And suffering is really what happens when we avoid pain. And so when your body needs to cry and you tell your body, no, I'm not going to let you cry. Well, you're going to actually experience more suffering because you're avoiding the pain that needs to be released. If you're new to Mind Love, first, I am so glad you're here. And second, don't forget to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. Giving your mind a little love isn't just a one-time thing, it's a way of life. Plus, more subscribers helps me attract more amazing guests and gives you more opportunities to change your life. So don't forget to subscribe. Wanna know what's strange? The present moment is literally all we have. Yet somehow it's the most elusive place to be. Why is it so hard to be here and now when it's our only real tangible option? Where do we even go? And why does it feel so compelling? Usually we replay things that have already happened, coming up with things we should have done or we should have said, or we worry about something that hasn't even happened yet. Yet the present moment is right there with all of the beauty and the smells and the tastes and real life people and experiences, all of that other stuff is imaginary. None of it exists anymore or yet. And what doesn't exist yet, you can't be sure will ever exist. And let me throw you for one more loop. You can't even be sure that your past memories happened that way. So then we ruminate on the past, or we worry about the future. And by doing so, we affect the way that we feel right now in the present moment. And how we feel affects our experience. This was actually just happening to me this morning. So for context, my dog died recently. He was my family since I was 21 years old. So for over 15 years, my little ride or die, my first soulmate, and to say that we were close is an understatement. We slept in cars together. He came with me everywhere. He was with me through all of my trauma. I relied on him. It was like he saved me for years. So you might hear me talk about him a lot while I'm experiencing this loss because it's just really deep for me. Well, I had a dream last night that my dog came walking out of the woods. And in the dream, I knew that he was supposed to be gone already. So somehow the dream version of me understood him coming back as he wasn't ready to die. Well, ever since I put him down, it's like my brain has been rewriting history. Suddenly in my mind, he was fine and he was just a little bit slower. And so I clearly put him down too early. And so in order to make any of this make sense, my mind comes up with reasons as to how I could have done something like that, as to how I could have made such a big mistake. So I'm coming up with things like, 
his issues, such as no bladder control or having to take him out so often, or his dementia made me frustrated enough to convince me that it was time. Or another thing that I've ran through my mind is that he hadn't been able to get a decent haircut in months, so it made him look sicker than he actually was. So I wake up and I'm already spiraling about how I'm a terrible person who killed the thing that loved me most in this world. And see, I'm already tearing up just going down this thought spiral. These thoughts become so real that I can't see outside of them anymore. And they become my reality. My husband Shane has had to talk me through unraveling the truth a dozen times already, reminding me that he didn't know where he was most of the time, that he rarely left his bed, and when he did, he'd wander aimlessly. He couldn't walk far. He was having more moments of yelping by himself. And not only that, my intuition was just screaming at me that it was time. And I even talked to an animal communicator to make sure, who confirmed that Maverick thought it was time too. Yet still, my mind convinces me otherwise. And the spiral turns to sadness and regret and beating myself up. And then all of that colors the now. And before I know it, the present moment is sad and gloomy and I don't want to do things that make me happy because I don't think I deserve anything but this. Thankfully, I know this about my mind. So I have the tools and even the partner to help me direct my mind back on course. But the problem is, most people trust their thoughts. They think, if I'm thinking this, there must be truth there. But your mind is just programs. Most of the time, the mind will just bring thoughts that match what you're feeling. And if you let yourself spiral into those thoughts, you'll be rewarded with even more thoughts that confirm everything you regret and everything you're worrying about. And it will all feel so real in the moment. But guess what? You are the one with the power to disrupt the cycle, to find peace and even guidance. And the good news is, you don't have to do all of the work to deprogram every unproductive belief that you've ever had in order to find that peace. That peace already exists right here, right now. So today we're going to learn to tap into it. And our guest is Jeannie Stevens. She's the founding and co-lead pastor of Soul City Church in Chicago, which is one of America's fastest growing urban churches. And her passion is to help people wake up to their purpose as they pursue a life of wholehearted freedom. And as a side note, while some guests might find resonance with religion, I know a lot of you don't, and this is not a religious podcast. So I want you to feel free to interchange the mention of God with whatever you resonate with, like source or universe or whatever. I also think that there's so much value in talking to and especially listening to people from different walks of faith or spirituality. So I hope you love her as much as I do because she's such a great speaker and has so much to share. Three key things we will learn are how to say goodbye to unhealthy patterns of shame, guilt, and worry, the lies we believe when we worry, and how to develop a realistic relationship with the present moment in a world full of distraction. We're all here just trying to live our best lives, right? And while you're here listening to a podcast, you might feel like you're on the right track, but then you visit family, or you have a work deadline, or something unexpected comes up, and you're all stressed out, and it feels like all the work is out the window. 
That's why it's so important to consciously curate what you can control, like who you surround yourself with, what you watch, what you listen to. So I'm going to add another podcast to your toolbox, The Dr. John Deloney Show. He has a PhD in counseling and has been sitting with hurting people for 20 years. He shares practical advice for everything from how to connect with people, how to face depression, overcome anxiety, and learn just what it means to be well. But what's really cool about his show is you can even leave a voicemail or send an email and he'll address your topic or question about mental or emotional help on the show. So no matter what you're going through, the Dr. John Deloney show is here for you. Listen to the Dr. John Deloney show wherever you get your podcasts or follow the link on the website. And now let's welcome Jeannie Stevens to the show. Thank you so much for having me. So I have been going through your book and what I love about it is that it's like a toolbox. And I talk about my mindset toolbox or my toolbox for mindfulness all the time. When I'm going through something, it's like now I actually have a toolbox to go to. And so, so much about what you write is uh, about those tools. So what inspired you to write this book? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's such a great metaphor. And I think so many of us are looking for more tools to put in our toolbox so that we can practice being present, so we can practice what it means to be uh, mindful and thoughtful humans in the world. And some of the the journey for me, like anything, I feel like this book wrote me before I wrote this book. And, and we kind of write what we most need. And I found myself a few years ago just on the doorstep of burnout, exhaustion, feeling overwhelmed. Uh, When people would ask me, you know, how are you? I would answer with fine. But the more I paid attention to it, I was like, I don't want to be fine. I I want to be full. I want to be alive. I want to be whole. I don't want to just, you know, kind of run through this life and, and answer the question, how are you with fine? I want more than that. And yet I realized when I paused to pay attention to why I was fine, it was because I wasn't really here. I I wasn't fully present to what is. I was either rehashing the past or rehearsing the future. And, you know, whenever we find ourselves rehashing the past, we're trying to change something that can't be changed, or we're out in the future trying to control something that can't be controlled. And this now moment is really the only moment that we ever have. And yet I realized, gosh, I don't think I'm actually really here. And I want to live in the here and the now, wide awake, fully alive, inhaling and exhaling, in this now moment and and living life for what it is versus constantly thinking about what was or all of the what ifs. I relate to that so much. And especially now that I have a a baby, a one-year-old, there's so many times that I am more aware that I all of a sudden was lost in my phone or not really paying full attention to him when he's like saying a new word and then he'll snap me out of it. And I'm looking at him like, oh my God, where was I just now? Where in my mind was I that is more important than this moment right now? And we have those moments of clarity, especially people who have been on a mindfulness or a seeking or searching or some sort of improvement path. And 
I remember for me, I would find these pockets of either something would sort of nudge me into the present moment or I'd have a realization or I would just be intentional, like on a walk and be like, no, be here in the present moment and I'd be back in my body. But then it would kind of slip away or I'd slip back into old patterns. Do you think that it is achievable to live fully in the present moment? It's such a great question. And part of the reason why I talk about it in the the space of it being a question, you know, the book's called What's Here Now? How to Stop Rehashing the Past and Rehearsing the Future and Start Receiving the Present. And, and the real reason why I wrote the title as a question is a question is a practice, right? It's It's a way to return to the present moment because I think as as humans, as, as human beings on this planet, we are constantly doing the work of returning to being. You know, we have such a propensity to escape the moment, to be somewhere else. And part of the gift of presence, part of the gift of mindfulness, part of the gift of peace is recognizing that it's a practice. And the more and more we practice it, the more I believe it can become a state of being. But so much of the gift of life is returning to the practice. Uh, It's not necessarily mastering the practice. It's returning to the practice over and over and over again. And instead of, you know, like that moment with your son, right, where you're like, oh, my gosh, where was I? Hopefully, the more and more we learn how to practice presence and, and asking ourselves this question, what's here now, the quicker we will become at returning to this now moment, you know, and we'll have those kind of sensations in our body or the feelings in our heart or the thoughts in our mind to go, oh gosh, I'm not really here. I I wonder what's here now. How can I return to this now moment so I can experience life for all of what it is instead of, you know, rehashing or rehearsing the future? Why do you think we are so prone to step out of the present moment. And now for another episode of Lies We've Been Told About Our Health. We've all heard we need eight glasses of water a day, right? Well, hydration isn't actually about water intake. It's about the balance of water and electrolytes so that our bodies are actually absorbing the water instead of just passing it through. A lot of people go for those sugary sports drinks, but let's be real, those do more harm than good. I've found a better solution. Element. It's a zero-sugar electrolyte drink that's all about effective hydration. Each pack gives you essential electrolytes like sodium and potassium without the unnecessary additives found in other drinks. The team behind Element includes experts in biochemistry and nutrition, so they really know what they're doing. And it's not just for everyday use either. Elite athletes and teams... Olympic weightlifters, CrossFit champions, Navy SEALs all rely on it too, which to me says a lot about its effectiveness. Here's what makes them really unique. They recently launched a hot chocolate line with flavors like chocolate mint, chocolate chai, and chocolate raspberry. Ever since I went alcohol-free, I've been really intentional about luxurious, health-focused drinks so I can sit back and unwind while actually doing good for my body. And the Element Chocolate Chai is great for relaxing in the evening or warming up after winter sports. And you can try Element totally risk-free. If you don't like it, you'll get your money back. No questions asked. 
Receive a free Element sample pack with any order when you purchase through drinkelement.com slash mindlove. That's drinklmnt.com slash mindlove to get a free starter pack with any order. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I really need to get something off my chest. Being a mom of a three-year-old boy is really freaking hard, and sometimes it has me questioning my sanity. But then he'll grab my face and call me his sweet little mama. Yes, that's a real thing he says. (laughs) And it will all melt away until I break his banana. I thought I was done with emotionally abusive relationships, but nope. We all carry around stressors, big and small. And when we keep them all bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. For me, just talking things through is hugely helpful, but it's so hard finding friends and family that are unbiased or non-judgmental. And therapy isn't just about dealing with major trauma, you know? It's about learning healthy coping mechanisms, setting boundaries, becoming the best version of yourself. And BetterHelp makes it super convenient, too. Everything's done online so you can fit therapy sessions around your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash MindLove today and get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash MindLove. Why do you think we are so prone to step out of the present moment? Why do you think we were created that way? I personally don't believe in accidents. And so I look at the divine design of everything. And so why is it such a struggle and not necessarily something that we tap into by nature automatically without having to seek help or guidance to do so? I love looking at the divine architecture as well and, and really trying to look at, okay, what, what is this all about? And, and, and what is it that, that God is trying to reveal to us, right? And, you know, I think for, for many of us, uh, we know that, that so much of, of walking through this life is surrendering to what is. It's the power of letting go. It's the power of, of being able to be with what is. But as humans, we really love to change things and control things. It's the activator in us. It's the, it's the part of us that wants to feel as though we are the one that are architecting all of life, right? Versus surrendering to God and to how things unfold in this life. And so I think many of us, it feels more powerful to try to rehash the past and change something that has already happened or rehearse the future and try to control something that has, hasn't yet happened. Receiving the present is really, it's choosing to experience what's occurring in the here and the now. And it really involves surrender. It involves letting go. And the last time I checked, humans struggle with that, or at least this human struggles with surrender and with letting go. And, and for me, I really began to recognize that there were kind of some breadcrumbs to, to follow, if you will, and, and some signs of, of any time I was rehashing the past. I, I noticed kind of some themes in my life, Melissa, like blame. Uh, anytime I was directing kind of responsibility onto somebody or something else or, or shame, which is really just self-hatred at my expense, unprocessed grief, which you know, is just kind of cycling through 
a loss uh, that occurred in the past that is still impacting the present or, or bitterness or guilt. These are all telltale signs that we're trying to change something that has already happened that can't be changed. Or anytime we're rehearsing the future, we're kind of following the breadcrumbs into trying to, you know, make something different by controlling it. And so things like worry, which is living in a not yet that's worse than your now or, or denial, which is really just a defense mechanism to delay pain or avoid transformation. Pretending, which is kind of camouflaging your true authentic self or, or living under obligation or, or control. These are all telltale signs that we're trying to take things into our own hands and either change or control. But ultimately, the greatest way to walk through this life is choosing to experience what's occurring in the here and the now. It's that that process of, of letting go, of surrendering, uh, of trusting that we are being guided through this life, if that makes any sense. Oh, yeah, that's it makes so much sense. And one of the things that's standing out to me is so often when I'm in my pain and that doesn't have to be big pain. It can be any of the things that kind of take me from the present moment or I I consider all of those things <laughs> like guilt, grief, bitterness, shame, blame. None of those things feel good. They are versions of pain. And so when I'm in those those states of mind, a lot of times one of the stories that is prevalent in my mind is that it's unique to me. And so, mm. especially when it's like shame, how can I tell somebody this? Because, oh my gosh, how are they going to react? It's like, my thing is so big that other people can't handle it or, or grief. It's like, no one understands this. And recently I lost my dog and I could find myself having that story. I was just like, yeah, I know people are close to their dogs, but you don't understand my relationship with Maverick. You know, like this has to be yeah. worse than other people. There's no way yeah. everyone is getting through this. But in reality, because we can name those five things from rehashing the past and those five things, uh, main emotions of like rehearsing the future, it just shows me how universal so many of these things are. And so in those times that we feel alone, we're not really. You name such a great reality. And, you know, whenever we experience any kind of pain, any kind of discomfort, any kind of feeling or emotion or thought that we think, oh, I just don't want this here. I think so many of us have learned how to deny those things or stuff those things. You know, you think about trying to to push a beach ball underwater, right? It's it's not meant to be stuffed. It's not meant to be denied. It's going to pop out somewhere else. And, and pain is actually a powerful teacher in our lives. There's so much curriculum inside of pain. In fact, you know, you just mentioned the loss of your dog, right? I bet you've been learning so much about yourself in the midst of that loss, something you would have never chosen something you would have never written into the story of your life. And yet, if you're open to it, in the soil of loss and grief, God does some of the deepest and most transforming work in our lives if we're open to it, if we welcome it. Because all change is a loss and all loss changes us. But so many of us, we deny that loss, we deny that pain, we try to push it away. 
but it's going to pop out somewhere else in our lives. And, and this question of, of welcoming ourselves back to the present moment, this question of, of asking what's here now, it's a way for us to return to what is. And oftentimes there is pain here. And when we name it and when we notice it, we actually can bring some healthy nurture to know what to do with it then. That is such a good point. So often I find myself or I have found myself in the past and especially my 20s, it was just so tumultuous. I had no tools for processing grief or times I was victimized or just all sorts of things that I was going through. And I thought that strength was just sort of overpowering it and moving through it. And I thought that distracting myself so that I didn't have to feel it was the healthiest way to go because what would happen if I broke down? Who's hel- who is it helping if I am crying on the floor? And now I know. I've been sharing a lot about my grief with the loss of my dog because we were just incredibly close. It's one of the hardest losses I've had and I've had loss in the past. And I now know that that is where the transformation is. It's like that in the depths of that emotion. And if I don't feel it, then I can't gain anything from it either. And so there have been times where I've just been like crying on the floor, just like sobbing like a toddler in another room while my husband has the baby. And in one way, I'm even leaning into it harder than I think I need to, or than I, I would naturally or I don't even know how to say that because naturally I was escaping it, but I am willing. I guess that would be the correct word. Mm -hmm. I'm willing to just go all into it because I want to see what that's like because I haven't done that before. Yeah. And in doing that, it feels like it's not only moving through me faster, but I have these like glimpses of awareness and clarity and messages that I guess guidance that I never even came close to receiving with past grief. Yeah, it's so powerful how you mentioned that. And, you know, one of the things that is true of you and is true of me and every person that's listening is that we will not escape this life without having to walk through grief, without having to walk through loss and uh, learning how to, to hold pain, learning how to name it, learning how to, to notice where it shows up in our bodies, right? Uh, your your body is incapable of lying to you. And so I bet you've been holding it in your body, uh, you know, as well. And, and, and starting to offer your body care and curiosity and courage uh, around the loss that it is holding. What's fascinating about emotions and, and some of the things that maybe we would even articulate or, or give Uh, description to as a harder emotion is that an emotion is really just energy in motion. It's just your body expressing feelings and and, and needing to release energy. And, And suffering is really what happens when we avoid pain. And so when your body needs to cry and you tell your body, no, I'm not gonna let you cry. Well, you're gonna actually experience more suffering because you're avoiding the pain that needs to be released. Or perhaps, you know, if you're feeling anger and and you kind of say like, no, I got to stuff that anger down. I don't want to feel that anger. Well, really your body just needs to learn how to express that anger in a healthy way. And if, if it doesn't learn how to express it in a healthy way, 
suffering is what happens when we avoid pain. Pain is actually one of the nutrients that kind of gets mixed into our lives to produce growth, but none of us ever goes looking for it. None of us ever goes looking for this kind of, of growth. We don't, we don't want growth to come at the hands of pain. We don't want it to come at the hands of loss. And yet, I bet if you were to ask yourself or if I were to ask you know myself or anybody that's listening right now, it's probably those moments of pain, of loss, a turning point moment in our lives that produced some of the most transformative growth that we've ever walked through. And yet none of us would ever choose it. That is so powerful. We talk a lot about emotions and having to express them, but something about the way you worded that, uh, how energy is just, or how emotions are just energy in motion. And if we're not willing to actually allow them to be in motion, then we're not allowing them to do their job. So we're not going to gain right. anything That's from right. it. And yeah. so- we think of these emotions or these states of mind like grief and bitterness and shame. I think for most people, you hear those things and it automatically comes to mind as a negative emotion. But maybe that's just how we've all been allowing ourselves. Maybe if that's our, our first thought, that's how we're allowing ourselves to experience the emotion. And when we yeah. can learn to experience it in a healthy way, maybe we wouldn't see those as so bad all the time. Maybe we wouldn't run from them and instead we'd walk right towards them and say, okay, you know, I'm, I'm ready for this. And it's like, just like if you're training for a sport, even that hurts like hell kind of intensely, you know, you're like, you're like running a marathon or something. And it's not like you feel good, but you also feel so good. You know, there's, it's That's both. Right. And if we can like, accept and open up to the nuances or the the spectrum, I should say, of an emotion, then that's where we get the deepest transformation. That's right. And the reality is that our emotions, we think that they're looking for answers. Our emotions are not looking for answers. They're just looking for space. An emotion isn't looking for you to give it a three-point answer as to why it is that you're feeling it. It's just energy in motion. And so the invitation for us is to actually become people that can name our emotions. And, and I actually like to shift. And, and one of the practices that I do is instead of saying, I'm sad, or I'm angry, or I'm excited, I actually like to put the word, I'm feeling sad. I'm feeling angry. I'm feeling excited because it's a way for me to differentiate that I'm just experiencing an emotion. I am not the emotion. When I say something like I'm sad, I'm trying to allow sadness to be my identity. And that's just an emotion that I'm having. It's not my identity. And so what I, I practice doing is I'm feeling sad. I'm feeling angry. I'm feeling excitement. And so I name it. And then I ask, what would be a healthy way for me to actually feel this emotion? How could I feel this in a way that would really be productive? I love that. It reminds me of something I've recently started doing. I've actually come in and out of it, but 
lately, because of my big feelings, I've come back to the practice. And it's so similar to what you said, but I'm actually rather even than just saying I'm feeling sad or I'm feeling grief, I am using the word experiencing. And Mm -hmm. what I noticed, it was such a subtle shift. But when I say I feel sad, it just brings back my old preconceived notions about what sadness is and something about Mm -hmm. saying, and this is just personal for me, sometimes semantics do just open me up to a little bit of a different experience. But if I say I'm experiencing grief or I'm experiencing Mm -hmm. shame, then all of a sudden that makes me a little bit more curious about it. Well, what's in this experience? What's even beyond just the feeling? How is it impacting what I'm willing to do in this moment? How is it impacting my thoughts and and what I'm thinking about or, or what I see in the future? And so sometimes just such a subtle word shift can be so big. And when you say unproductive versus productive, Can you give us an example of what an unproductive reaction to it would be versus a productive form of it? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Can you give us an example of what an unproductive reaction to it would be versus a productive form of it? Yeah, I I love that question because, you know, when we don't learn how to name and then feel our emotions, a unfelt emotion and an unexpressed emotion really can become a mood in our lives. So unfelt sadness is what's going to lead us to apathy. Unfelt anger is what leads us to bitterness. Unfelt fear leads us to anxiety and so on and so on and so on. So learning how to actually not just name our emotions, but release our emotions is really, really critical. And learning how to do it in a healthy way is so great. And so first naming it, you know, I feel fear. I feel tenderness. I feel happiness. I feel excitement. Whatever it is, you know, in in your language, you said, I'm experiencing. Either works, right? Name it. And then to feel it, I think to ask yourself the question, what would be a healthy way for me to express this feeling right now? Like you just said, get curious about the emotion. Now, the tricky thing is, is that oftentimes, you know, it's happening in seconds, right? We, We don't always pull ourselves out of the moment to say, how can I express this sadness that feels overwhelming in a healthy way, right? When it's just flowing, it's flowing. Or when anger is flowing, it's flowing. And so to learn how to bring some loving curiosity into the moment is really critical. And that's part of of a mindfulness practice, practice. That's part of being present. But, you know, I noticed just yesterday, my daughter was graduating from eighth grade. And she was so excited and, you know, she was with all of her friends and they were in their caps and their gowns and pomp and circumstance was playing. 
And I was so excited for her and, and with her and was feeling all of the feels of that moment, right, of, of her graduating eighth grade. And I noticed that my son, uh, who is just finishing his sophomore year and is going to be a junior, I noticed and I, I kind of wrote the story that he wasn't as connected to what was going on. And so I chose to get curious. And I just said, hey, Elijah, I, I just wanted to check in with you and see what what's happening. And, and at first, you know, like any 16 year old boy is like nothing, nothing's going on. And I was like, <laughs> okay, well, let me, let me ask you again, you know, is, is there anything that you're feeling right now? Like what's here now? Um, and he kind of, you know, laughed like, okay, mom, I, I get you're asking me the book, <laughs> you know, you're asking me the question from the book. And, and then in that moment, you know, he, he, and he's done it enough, but I just said, you know, what are you sensing in your body? And he's like, you know, I, I'm actually kind of like sensing a little bit of tension in my shoulders. And I'm like, what are you feeling in your heart? He's like, I'm, I'm excited for Gigi. And I'm kind of sad that I didn't get an eighth grade graduation. And what are you thinking in your mind? I'm thinking COVID really has been hard. And in that moment, Melissa, I got to see my son in the present moment. And I was like, is there anything that you want to do to just kind of express that sadness? He's like, well, I just, I guess I just wanted you to know. And he, he, in that moment, didn't need to, you know, do anything else that that was him expressing it with me. But perhaps if he said like, yeah, I kind of feel like crying or I kind of feel like, you know, avoiding, I, I would have just been there with him in it right? But the gift was him naming it and noticing it and then letting it move itself through his body as he shared it with me. And I think that as we become space holders for one another, space holders for each other's emotions, even asking that question, is there anything that that emotion wants to do to express itself? Um, You know, there's times where I feel a lot of anger and I'm like, I think I need to go for a walk. Uh, so I, I don't type something or say something that I don't want to say. Um, I think I need to go let this anger move itself through my body. Or if I'm feeling overwhelmed, you know, instead of numbing that overwhelmedness by eating food or by drinking something, I instead go, okay, I'm going to go do something that would be super activating to my body. I'm going to go shoot hoops outside with my kids or I'm going to jump on my Peloton and, and go for a ride so that I can allow this emotion to move itself through my body. So I don't just numb it and push it down, but I allow it to be felt in a healthy way. I think so many of us, we have watched people express their emotion in such unhealthy ways that we get afraid of emotions. But emotions aren't meant to be feared. They're just meant to be felt. Wow. There is so much in there that I want to touch on. (laughs) So I want to go back to the story with your son because I have noticed within myself, if I don't go through that process, which basically is the same process that you sort of drew out of your son just with three questions. If I don't go through that process on my own or with the help of somebody else, I find myself responding in ways that I don't love. Like I might snap at somebody or things just don't feel quite as exciting. And it's like this underlying tension. And because I have not named it, I don't even necessarily know what it is. (laughs) So that's why it's like, 
coming out in ways of just being uncomfortable in my body or my mind or whatever, wherever I'm holding that. And that looks like a bunch of different symptoms. And so then it's just like from an outside perspective, it might look like I'm irritable. But if I just give myself the space to ask those questions and actually do it, because so often I'd be like, well, yeah, I should know what this is about and, and why it's here and whatever. Like, I know that I'm supposed to do that. So this should automatically come to me. But for me, at least it doesn't until I sit there and I ask the direct question like, okay, where is this coming from? Or what am I feeling? I love the way you put it in your body, in your heart, in your mind. And so it's like, then I can focus on those spaces and and become really, really clear. So there's so much within that space that we create for ourselves. If you don't give yourself the time or the the moment, the space to ask the question directly and then just trust that you're going to receive the answers or receive the guidance, even if the only answers you're looking for is like more information about what's going on inside of you. <laughs> like that's what it takes is that space. Yeah, it, you're exactly right. And, you know, it was funny the other day, um, my daughter She's like, mom, there's some ants in my room. And, you know, and I was like, oh gosh, why did it, why are there ants in your bedroom? Right. And so I sent my husband to the, to the drugstore to get some ant spray. And I, I found myself agitated and annoyed. And I was like, okay, it's just ants. What's going on? And, and I had to pause and ask myself, what's here now? Jeannie, what are you sensing in your body? What are you feeling in your heart? What are you thinking in your mind? And what's so funny, Melissa, was it had nothing to do with the ants, right? That was just the presenting issue. There, there was, an, you know, ants are able, you can solve those quickly, right? Get some ant spray, get some ant traps. Uh, but what I realized was when I allowed myself to pause, when I allowed myself to breathe, when I allowed myself to just be with those questions, I was feeling overwhelmed about something that happened at work earlier in the day that I didn't let myself process. And then here's my sweet daughter saying, mom, there's some ants in my room and I'm reacting to her and to the ants. And it really has nothing to do with the ants. It's the fact that something happened earlier in the day that I didn't allow myself to process in a healthy way. And it was coming out sideways, right? I was getting all agitated with my daughter and these ants. And I realized, oh, I just need to give myself some healthy space to process what it is that I'm feeling about that situation that happened earlier in the day. Okay. Where am I holding this in my body? Where am I feeling this in my heart? And where am I thinking about this in my mind? And the power in sensations and feelings and thoughts is it's how we learn how to communicate with one another. You know, you think about your your little guy, right? You know, when, when he was super, super little and he had no words, right? If, if he was hungry or he felt cold or something like that, he felt a sensation in his body, right? A feeling in his heart, like I want some food. And, and, and somewhere in his little mind, it was like, all right, send off a reaction, cry, and mom's going to give me what I want, right? And, and so these, these abilities of, of sensing, feeling, and thinking, I believe God hardwired us that way. I believe that it's how we know how to pay attention to ourselves, how to pay attention to 
to God and to, to the divine movement of God in this world and how to pay attention to one another. But so many of us, we have just stopped paying attention. We've stopped noticing and naming. What am I sensing in my body? What am I feeling in my heart? What am I thinking in my mind? And you know, the reason that I, I titled the book, What's Here Now, is because I just needed a simple way to return to the present moment. You think about those uh, those maps, right, in the mall or in, in the airport, and you're trying to figure out where to go, and, and they've got that big red dot, right? And it says, you are here. I needed a question that was, you are here. And, and that's what What's Here Now is. It is my way to come back to the present location so that I can go, okay, you are here, Jeannie. And from here, you can actually make a healthy decision about how to respond and what to do or how to take some ownership over the fact that you just, you know, lost your mind over the ants and you can walk into your daughter's room and say, hey, baby, I'm so sorry that I was losing it over the ants. It actually has nothing to do with you or, or with the ant problem. It, it had to do with something that happened earlier in my day. We forgive me. And, and it actually puts relationships back together when we can come into the present moment. And so that question, what's here now, it's like that red dot on the map. It's a way to, to locate yourself and come back to this now moment, which is really all we ever have. When you coach yourself to come back to that moment, come back to the now, when you feel that you're actively resisting it, because that happens to me a lot and, and like a deeper emotion, I'm like, okay, I'm coming back. No, come over here. Yep. It's like this juggle moment. It's like, ah, a lot of times I find more resistance when I'm experiencing the need to control. And it's yeah. because I can come to the present moment and like kind of take a deep breath and, and relax, but that control comes from more of a place of threat for me than a lot of the other feelings of emotion. Like if I don't do something, if I don't take the reins right now, then how is this going to get done? Or who knows what will happen? Or will we be prepared for anything that's to come? <laughs> and so what do you do to talk yourself through it when you feel yourself wanting to control in the present moment? <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Well, listen, I uh, wrote a whole chapter on control because I am so good at it. <laughs> uh, it is it is one of the things that I struggle with the most um, in this life is is releasing control. And you know what's so interesting to me is that I feel like uh, control has a a twin, and and that twin is waiting. And I feel like any time. I have to wait anytime I have to release, uh, you know, how things are going to unfold. Um, it is an opportunity to let go of something that I'm trying to tighten my grip over. And one of my favorite authors, uh, a woman, Sumant Kid, she, she says that when you're waiting, you're not doing nothing. You're doing the most important something there is. You're allowing your soul to grow up. And if you can't be still and wait, you can't become what God created you to be. And I think so many of us, we struggle with taking the reins and controlling because we struggle with waiting. 
we, we struggle with really trusting that life will unfold when we surrender to what is. And um, that requires deep work. That requires really facing the things that you want to um, occur just the way you want them to occur. And can you really allow yourself to hold your hands open? You know, I think it's so funny that lots of times people were taught growing up to pray with their hands folded and together. And I just think that's such a terrible posture for prayer. <laughs> I think it's just such a an awful way to to view prayer because prayer is actually the most beautiful way that we surrender. It's one of the most beautiful ways that we release control. And and I actually when I'm when I'm coaching people or or, or walking with them, I, I always say, no, pray with your hands open, not, not you know, closed and tight and, and gripped around something, but actually loosen your fingers, loosen, loosen that grip and allow yourself to hold it in the open palm of your hand, knowing that life will unfold just as it is meant to unfold. Um, and, and listen, as a recovering control freak, I have had lots and lots of practice in, in releasing and responding and, and allowing um, myself to surrender over and over and over. And again, kind of like how we started this conversation. It's a practice, I think, Melissa. I don't, I don't think you say it once and say, I've, I release all control. And then 10 minutes later, you know, there might be something that you're trying to control again. I think it's a practice of regularly releasing and, and choosing to stop fighting yourself and fighting others and, and fighting God even, um, but releasing uh, your will on, on how it all unfolds, um, which is much easier said than done. But from my experience, it's a much more peaceful way to live. What you said about our posture when we're doing something is so relevant. We talk about our body position all the time. I was actually just interviewing somebody who talks about how the way we move impacts the person that we are. And the episode, the whole episode was about noticing your habitual movements and and a way to kind of dig in and, and see what that says about you. But even in yoga or more meditation, we talk about like putting your hands open on your knees when you're receiving mm -hmm. versus down if you're grounding. And these things sound so simple, but it makes so much sense to me to like almost lift your chest, open your arms, palms up, look up if you're receiving guidance, because that's where it comes from. And Or if you're focused inward, focus on that heart space and receive that guidance. Focus on your body. If you're, if you're asking those questions that we talked about earlier, like what is in this for me? So it's just a really tangible example of how where we shift our focus changes our experience. And one of the things that you talk about is a way of shifting your perspective through three simple ways of changing what you look at and look up, look out and look in. Can you go deeper into that? Yeah, I, I love how you brought it back to the body as well. Uh, you know, because the body is incapable of lying to us, right? But the body is is such a a trustworthy container that houses our, our heart and our mind. And yet so many of us, uh, we've stopped paying attention to our body 
and in your body, all, all it's ever looking for is care and curiosity and courage. And so often when we, um, like you mentioned in yoga or, or prayer, when we practice different postures, like opening our hands, right? Or, or even putting our, our hands over our heart space. Uh, it's a way to allow the body to tell the heart and the mind what's going on. And, and the body doesn't lie. And so this idea of looking up and, and looking out and looking in, um, it's, it's one of the most beautiful ways to practice gratitude. And I think that gratitude is the antidote to anxiety. When we can practice learning how to be grateful with what is, we get to actually experience that Peaceful circumstances don't create gratitude. Gratitude is what creates peaceful circumstances. And at any given moment in our lives, we can look up. And when we look up, we can see that there is some kind of provision. There's something that has been provided for us. Even if it's just the oxygen in your lungs or a roof over your head or an article of clothing on your back and and looking up and seeing, I have... I've been cared for. There's provision for me here, right? The next is looking out. And, and that usually has to do with, with people that we love and, and having a moment to say, okay, how can I look out and see who's somebody that God's put in my life to be a gift to me today? You know, and, and sometimes it might just be the, the barista who is serving you coffee or your neighbor or a loved one in your family. And then to look in has to do with, taking personal responsibility. What's something that you can do to root yourself in the here and the now? Um, and, and to look in and say, is there any way in which blame or shame or grief or, or bitterness or guilt is, is here? Is there any way that I'm rehashing the past or rehearsing the future? And how can I come back into this now moment, ground myself in the here and the now, be where my feet are planted, look within and take responsibility to live within this present moment. And it's just that simple little exercise of looking up, looking out, and then looking in that really can pull you back to experiencing gratitude for what is. So much gold in this episode. So thank you so much for all of the tools that you brought to us to help us come back to the present moment because we have so many things pulling our attention, <laughs> even we do. apart we from do. just what's going on in our own minds. Now it's like companies, apps, <laughs> ads, yeah. everything's yeah. competing for our attention. So we can use all the tools that we can get. And so for listeners that are really loving all of that you're saying, where's the best place for them to connect with you and find your book? Absolutely. So you can go to my website, which is Jeannie Stevens, J-E-A-N-N-E Stevens, S-T-E-V-N-S.com. And you can find um, me there. You can find the book there. You can get the book anywhere that books are sold. So Amazon, Target, Barnes & Noble, all those places or your local bookstore. And I'm on all the social channels at same Jeannie Stevens. And I love connecting with listeners or with readers. And if there's any way that I can be of support or service to being in the present moment, I love being able to do that with people. All the links for this episode will be at mindlove.com slash x87. Your challenge for this week is to find more moments of mindfulness throughout your day. This is something that I feel like should be a lifetime challenge, 
Because the more you can train yourself to have little triggers to stop, take a breath, and come back to the now, I can guarantee you the more peaceful your life will be. And I use the word triggers intentionally. I have gotten to a point where my triggers are actually a trigger to practice mindfulness rather than a trigger for whatever negative emotion that used to arise. It seems like lately we live in this world of trigger warnings. And while I love the concept and the concept it feels like is just people trying to be more compassionate about what other people have gone through. And that's amazing and it's beautiful. But let's be real. The world does not issue trigger warnings unless you're in some like woke Facebook group or something. And I mean that in the kindest way possible. And so we have to know that our triggers are not the responsibility of somebody else. It's our own responsibility to learn how to manage them so that we can find peace without pulling everyone around us into our own shit because we're going down some shame spiral. And the good news is, it's pretty easy to recognize when you're triggered. You either want to bite the head off of the person on the other end of this Facebook comment, or you want to tailgate the person driving in front of you because they're driving awfully, or you snap back at your partner, or you want to shake your child. (laughs) There's all sorts of ways that we negatively handle our triggers. And when we're triggered, we clearly just feel all riled up. Something pushed the button. Well, If you can get to a place where that trigger doesn't automatically set off your emotional spiral and instead can set off your mindfulness spiral, your life will change drastically. And so that might look like taking a walk around the block or stepping out of the room or saying you need five minutes. It depends on the situation, but these are all moments to where we can actually come back to ourselves. And I love the way that Jeannie words it. She just uses the phrase, what's here now? And what I like about that is instead of just saying, okay, come back to the present moment, she comes to it with curiosity. And so she's asking, what's in this moment for me? And what's beautiful about that is that so often we might find the calm or we might kind of dismantle the effects of that trigger but we forget to ask the questions that lead to the real transformation. So it's one thing to just diffuse your anxiety. Yes, it's an amazing and a beautiful thing to diffuse your anxiety, but it's a whole nother level to diffuse your anxiety while asking the questions that got you there. Things like, what led to this? What is my body telling me? What do I need in this moment? What is my mind screaming that I need for this other person to do? And can I give that to myself instead so that I'm not always reliant on other people for my own healing? There's no wrong answer to what's here now. It might be different. There might be levels. It might evolve as you continue the practice. So just let what arises arise. Meet it where it is. Or I should word that as meet yourself where you are and just be with it, be with you. And of course, let me know how it goes. Reach out to me on Instagram at mindlovemelissa or leave a comment right on the show notes page at mindlove.com slash x87. If you'd love to support this show, the best way to do so is by joining Mind Love Premium at mindlove.com slash premium or right in the Apple Podcasts app. You can also leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And if you do, I just might read your review on the show. 
or you can find any of my amazing sponsors at mindlove.com slash sponsors. And that's all for today. So thanks for giving your mind a little love today and I'll see you next time.